Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and it's The Entrepreneurial You, the show for dedicated and passionate Caribbean entrepreneurs seeking daily inspiration, brought to you by author, speaker, and award-winning entrepreneur, Henneka Watkins-Porter. You must be prepared to ignite. Great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. Samuel Johnson. Hey, my peak performers, how are you doing today? Welcome to episode 126 of the Entrepreneurial You podcast. I'm Henneke Watkins-Porto. Today's episode is with Terry Drill. Terry is a former career ICU nurse turned pioneer in the emerging field of professional patient advocacy. She is the founder of Chicago's first and largest advocacy firm founded in 2011, Ensure Patient Advocates, and is a public speaker and best-selling author of Patient Advocacy Matters. She has served on the board of NAHAC and helped develop national standards, practices, and ethics for the profession. Terry has received multiple awards from civic and business organizations for her dedication to social issues, social causes, leadership, and business success, including the National Ken Schuler Patient Advocacy Compass Award. I'm looking forward to our conversation on It's Never Too Late to Launch a Business. Welcome, Terry. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thank you. Before we get into our topic of the day, have you ever been to Jamaica? Do you know any Jamaican phrases? No, I absolutely don't. That's one of the countries I've not been to. I love um, I love the Western Caribbean, but I have not ever been to um, Jamaica before. I love the food, though. <laughs> so you need to come to Jamaica to get the real deal, you know? <laughs> do you know any Jamaican phrases? I mean, have you? Do you can no. you know? Because you, oh, you know how many Jamaican influences around, right? Um, no. The easiest one is no problem, man. <laughs> That's great. No Sorry. problem, man. You know everything. Everything we say, everything airy. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Wonder. Let's. Yes. Awesome. Let's shift gear and now get into our topic. And um, before we really delve into the meat of the matter, though. I want to hear what were your aspirations as a child when you were growing up? Well, I was the oldest of nine children, Henneka. So um, the leadership was sort of thrust upon me. And um, I was always taking care of other people, bringing home little animals and, um, and doing all kinds of things to fix and heal people. I had an aunt, um, my father's sister, who was a nurse, and she was rather a role model for me growing up. And um, my Aunt Jean um, became a director of nursing of a university hospital setting and did home health care in rural areas in West Virginia. So it was very deeply embedded in our family culture that we were to make a difference. And for other people, serving other people was um, very strong. My grandfather was a missionary in India, which is where my father was born. And so growing up, we were all really taught that all people are are equal in God's eyes and um, we are to reach out and and befriend and help those less fortunate than than us no matter where they came from so that was kind of a natural part of our 
our family's culture. So you mentioned India, and of course, my antenna just went up because somehow I fell in love with India ever since I've been uh-huh. there. I spent two months there. So your father was born in India. Um, did he? Did he? He said he grew up there. He grew up in India. Yes, that was during the British imperialist um, regime time. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a colony at that time, and um, and so during those years, it was um, it was rather safe until um, World War II, and and my father was um, transported back to the U.S. because of the war. And he tells stories of being a little child and and coming back on the warships um, transported. All the missionaries were pulled out of India to come back. And uh, what impacts can you vividly recall that his life, his story, his journey has had on you? Well, my father um, really instilled in me a great sense of leadership. He was a Marine Corps officer. Well, we moved around a lot, and being the oldest of nine, I always had friends, my brothers and sisters, going with me. But I mostly chummed around with my brothers, and my father um, was always a very imposing figure. He was um, a strong leader, a Marine Corps officer, very self-disciplined. He was a good public speaker, and um, he... He really instilled in me that I had a responsibility to my younger brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So you have that influence of service and leadership. And it's so funny because a lot of times when we think about leadership, we don't think service. You know, we think, oh, the person at the helm, um, the person who makes the decisions and the person who tells you what to do. But you don't generally get the sense that leadership is aligned with service and in fact it very much is now um what is it like for you how how do you feel about that well um i feel fortunate um to grow up in that setting and and learning how to move to different places and acclimate to different parts of the country that was a a real strong influence in my life that wherever you go you just jump right in and meet people and there's nothing that you can't do Um, one of the strongest memories I have is of being the student council president in, in high school. And at the very end of high school, at the awards ceremony, I received the um, award for most leadership in the class. And my father was so proud. He stood up and clapped and clapped. And that was the first time that a, a female had ever received that award. It usually went to the football players. <laughs> Mm. (laughs) right because leadership again um i guess because of the connotation that it you know that it carries right but but true leadership in my experience is service right yes true leadership is is influence and service and it's not about any pride and ego and wanting to um you know to feed into that ego so clearly you've had a solid um foundation as it comes on to when it comes on to service and and leading and and even healthcare. Yes. Uh, but did you always, or did you ever thought that you would be doing a business in that field? No, I never did. But um, but healthcare in America has its challenges right now. We have a lot of um, issues with finances and the structure of um, how we serve. Um, the poor. So we're going through a time of great change in America, and it's a very unsettling time. I I loved being an intensive care nurse for many, many years. Some of the 
changes brought about by the Affordable Care Act really um, resulted in doctors and nurses spending more time on their computers than with patients. And I knew that that wasn't going to be good for safe um, patient care. And I just had a couple of um, things happen in my career that showed me that I no longer could work um, inside the hospital ethically. And so so sometimes when you go through a, a painful time, it's it's as if God is pushing you out of the nest into something better. And that's what happened to me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So it was that, that being in the healthcare system and seeing what 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 it holds, it I believe is fair to say that it triggered, you know, the things that you need to be doing and, and, and differentiate from what you need what you need not to do because you don't want to perpetuate what are the flaws that perhaps exist in the system. Am I right? Yes. Well, I had a couple of things happen. The first was um, <clears throat> our family went on a, a cruise to the Western Caribbean and two days into the cruise, my, my father-in-law um, had a life-threatening um, blood clot um, happen. And that turned into a six-week ordeal that he almost died multiple times. Fortunately, I was able to take that time off of work and stand by his side. But um, it really opened my eyes to what um, patients and families are going through when they're receiving health care in America. And it was really quite shocking that um, things had gone down so far because a miscommunication is one of the major um, causes of medical error in America. And you may have heard that medical error is the third leading cause of death in America. We are not, even though we're the richest country in the world, we are listed by the World Health Organization as about number 25 and, or 26 in terms of quality of healthcare in the world because of our high rates of medical error, our infection rates, and just miscommunication um, causes all kinds of problems in American healthcare. So it's really um, a real crisis in America right now. Anytime there's a crisis in, in, in any kind of society or a problem, it, it's also an opportunity. So on the other side of every problem, there's an opportunity for somebody to um, be part of the solution. And it's a business opportunity, too. So that was a real eye-opening experience going through that with my father-in-law. He, he fainted on board ship. And the next day when I went to pick him up and take him down to the ship's doctor to get checked out, his legs were starting to get swollen and turning purple. And I knew that he had a little um, a mesh filter in his aorta to catch blood clots. And so at that point, I knew from his symptoms that he was, he was having a life-threatening emergency and we were off the coast of Belize. And that was about 12 years ago at that time. Belize, um, the hospital there did not have a working ultrasound. And two days into that hospitalization, my father-in-law um, was allowed to get up and go to the bathroom, and and he almost fainted. We had to call a, a code blue on him. We had to rush him to the U.S., and, and I just assumed that the U.S. was going to be a safe place to receive health care, but I saw multiple, multiple instances of medical negligence, miscommunication, medical error, 
um, things being missed. And, and it really was quite a nightmare for six weeks. And then when I came back um, to the hospital after that ordeal, um, I advocated um, for a patient that I had taken care of for about six weeks in the intensive care. And she kept having all these complications. And I asked the doctor very nicely and respectfully, I said, help me understand what, where you think all these bleeding episodes are coming from and why you're not sending her for studies to determine why. And he got very defensive and transferred the patient out of intensive care and she almost died. So during that instance, um, I had to put my neck out um, and help the family um, and when I did that, it turned out that I was right about the patient and that she almost died. We took her down for a big, long test and brought her back up to intensive care. And she sat up and started vomiting lots of blood. And we had to call a code blue. And we gave her about 35 units of blood over three hours. And and um, and it was really hectic. We worked so hard for a few hours putting her on life support and transfusing her with blood to stabilize her. And at the end, in the middle of that whole process, I was so busy trying to save her life that I forgot to scan out one of the pain medications when we were putting her on the breathing machine. And so the next day, this doctor had his... Um, had his employees go through the chart and they found out that I had missed scanning out um, a dose of pain medication. And so I was pulled off the unit and, and um, basically accused of being a drug abusing nurse. And um, so they made me do a urine test. And then I didn't hear from the hospital for 10 days, even though um, one of those urine tests for, for, narcotics only takes about two or three minutes to do anyway it just really I, it made me realize if this is what healthcare has come to in this country I don't want to be a part of it anymore and so I went and got training in being a patient advocate and started my business in 2011 and I'm sure a lot of the nurses thought I was I'd lost my mind because I was making a very good income working three 12-hour shifts a week but Honestly, this has been the best decision of my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you started Ensure Patient Advocates. At what age did you start? Because there, we want to get to the point that it's never too late to launch a business. <laughs> I guess I was about 54. Interesting. And I'm glad I, and I, and I specifically asked this, and I never ever asked this question, you know, of, of, of any guests, but it's, it's important to make some points here today, even as we look at even the award that you got the the um the over 50 award for from the story exchange and we're going to talk about that in a little bit a discomfort with the system led you into your own business but you didn't start a business when you were six well not 16 but you didn't you weren't 20 you weren't 25 you weren't even 30 you were 54 years old when you decided that you're going to start your own business you're going to quit your very um good paying job very wonderful you know nice salaried job to start a business were you crazy well I was so passionate about protecting patients that for me, failure wasn't an option. I tried for a couple of years to still work a little bit in intensive care and run my business, but it really couldn't happen. So after about two years, um, 
I came home and said to my husband, I just can't do this anymore. So we had to sell our house and downsize into something smaller in order for our mortgage to go away. And once I was able to do this full time, I just jumped in with both feet and I started networking and going out and marketing my company and doing good work and asking clients for referrals. And and it, it was it was a wonderful, wonderful thing, because when you do really life-saving work. You save lots of money for people. You save their lives. You give them peace of mind and a feeling of comfort and protection. That kind of word just travels. And so we've been very fortunate in this company that we've done some really remarkable things um, that tends to um, help us tell great stories about the positive things that a skilled nurse advocate can do. All right. So I want to get a sense of what was going through your mind the day when you decide this is it. I'm going all in. I'm quitting, you know, working in the system and I'm going to run my own business. What was the mental process like for you? And how did you know where to turn to get? Did you, where, where did you turn to for business advice, you know, marketing and all the things that are necessary to run a business? Well, I knew that I, I had never had a business before. So I knew I needed to learn the business side of patient advocacy. So I took a a course in Arizona called RN Patient Advocates. So part of it was online. And then there was a one week intensive where I flew out and we learned all kinds of um, strategies for setting up your business, what you had to do, what the marketing component looked like, what the legal side of it was, what I would need. And I came back just really hungry to um, be mentored by strong leaders. So most of the strong business leaders in my community at that time were men. And so I would go to them and just say, do you mind if I I just sit and ask you a few questions for a half hour? So whenever I had questions, I did that for a year or two until I could afford to hire a business coach. And now I actually coach about a dozen nurse advocates around the country who are just starting their um, businesses. And I walk them through um, what I've learned over the last few years, where to save money, what the first steps were to doing it, how to strategize what the focus and the niche market of their company should be and and who the most likely referral partners would be. And so I, I love being able to do that for people that are new in the industry and just give them the benefit of my experience. And it makes me a better leader to be able to share what I've learned with people that are, are new in the industry. It's a real privilege. Saying now, what has been your support system like? I know you mentioned business coaching, which is absolutely key. And you've mentioned that you've meant you've been Mentored, you know, by by established and, and successful business, particularly men. Uh, but what is your overall support system like? What's the, what's what's the role that's playing in your business success? My husband is is of course a great support. I couldn't have done this without him. Uh, when I came home and and told him I just can't do this anymore, he knew that I was serious because he knows I'm a very strong person and I don't throw in the towel easily. But when I came home. One day after a particularly difficult, emotional, physical, just a hard week overall, I just said, this just hurts too much. I'm my back and my legs are just 
in such bad shape and emotionally I cannot handle seeing the things that I see in hospitals and not being able to to stand up. At that time, um, my father-in-law, whose life I had saved, said that he would like to help support me going through the patient advocacy program. And when I went through that program and I followed all the steps, how to set up a business, how to incorporate, what kind of incorporation to do, and um, where to spend the most important money in the first few months, that really was very helpful. I've wasted a lot of money on, on marketing things that don't work in this particular niche market, and it's taken me several years to figure out who the most likely uh, referral partners are. And um, in America right now, attorneys are generally great referral partners because they protect people legally, and I protect their health. And so for people with very complex medical conditions and maybe they're alone, they're what we call senior orphans, they have no family left at all, um, they really are at risk going in and out of the healthcare system without somebody to speak up on their behalf and make sure everything is being covered. So I guess the most important part in the early days of marketing was getting a really good website. I was fortunate that I had my oldest son was a web, professional web developer. And so he set up a very nice website for me. And then I went out and I asked for advice from graphic designers and how to set up marketing brochures and booklets and what kinds of uh, materials I needed as leave behinds. And I also wrote a book called Patient Advocacy Matters about four years ago. It's in its second printing right now. Writing a book, it's like having a business card to being a public speaker. When you've written a book, more people will take you seriously and ask you to come and, and speak at their their group or their organization if you've written a book. It, makes people think you know <laughs> a lot since you've already written on it. And you have been named among those some amazing women for the Story Exchange Award. I want you to tell us a little about that. I have a, a PR lady that works for me. I didn't even know I needed a PR firm a few years ago. And so she she looks out and reaches out all the time to see what kinds of things are out there in the media and she stumbled across this, and I think she referred it to me, and I just didn't have any idea of thinking that I would be on their top list of um, women entrepreneurs that had started after 50. So she went ahead and entered me in the, the contest, and I was really surprised last week that they came back and said that I was in the top top seven. So yes, that's a real honor to be named one of the top seven, you know, fabulous over 50. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And see, it's working because it's from that announcement that I, I, I knew about you, I learned about you. And I'm sure after this podcast goes live, then others are going to know about you as well. So it's it's working and it's having a, a, a great domino, um, you know, effect and, and a ripple effect is great. I'm going to ask you, certainly, I'm going to ask you at this point, uh, Terry, it's been so great talking with you and I'm inspired by you. I'm going to ask you to share, just wrap up with your final thoughts. And after that, share how might our community get in touch with you and any free item, any free stuff, any, you know, that you want to share with our community, be my guest. I think the biggest thing being a successful entrepreneur is believing in yourself. 
I was very fortunate to have a family that supported me. Not everybody does, but being successful at business is mostly an inside job. So people need coaching. They need counseling. They need help. They need other people to help reaffirm their leadership ability. People can reach out to me either through my website, which is www.northshorern.com, or they and they can contact me through the website easily. There's a contact me page there. Um, they can go to Amazon and buy our book, Patient Advocacy Matters 2. Um, it's only $16. Um, they can call me directly. And um, we always give 30-minute free consultations for anyone needing um, advocacy work in the Chicagoland area. My direct phone number is 847 612 Six six eight four, and I would just love to give people a free thirty minute consultation for any questions that they might have about family or even themselves living in the Chicago area. But um, I give away free advice all the time, and not everybody needs um, to hire and retain a professional advocate. Many can't afford it, but. My goal in opportunities like this, Henneke, is to be able to help more people by just knowing that professional advocates are out there to fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. Absolutely. Terry, it has been my pleasure. I love what you said. Being successful in business is an inside job. That is deep (laughs) and it really is true. All right. My guest has been Terry Jur. I so love and appreciate you for coming on Terry and I wish you all the best as you continue to inspire and continue to lead, you know, and leading from the front. I, um, I love that. I admire that and I applaud it. Thank you very much, Hanukkah. It's been a pleasure to be on. And thank you, my people formal, for tuning in to this episode with Terry Jura. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until next time, remember to visit com, and you can get all the good stuff, the free stuff, the resources, podcasts, blogs, all of those lovely things that will help you to level up. Remember, you were born to win, but to be a winner, you must plan to win, prepare to win, and expect to win. What good? We needed to raise capital, but our experience with local financial institutions was that they were cautious and slow to act, and interest rates were far too high. We had real concerns about financing our business through outside equity investors and the possibility of interference. Could we get a fair valuation for our business? We had our own ideas about the business and its value. Should I go the traditional route of bank financing, or should I try the Jamaica Stock Exchange? So we made a call and experienced transformation of our business through conversations. I'm John Mafood, CEO of Jamaican Teas, and we're listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. Give us a call today at 876-967-3271 to begin your transformation through conversation. We want to see your company listed on the Jamaica Stock Exchange. 
Attention! LeaderCast Women is an inspirational one-day leadership event featuring renowned female leaders. Male and female audience members alike will leave LeaderCast Women with the tools they need to become leaders worth following. Attend the event via simulcast at Nutsford Court Hotel on October 18. To learn more, visit HennekaWatkinsPorter.com or call 849-2571.